the Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. I read a book several years ago about common sayings that come from the pages of God's Word. And this particular book was talking about how so many of the the idioms and axioms and sayings that are, you know, part of common speech actually have their origin in the Word of God. And one such saying or figure of speech is in 1 Corinthians 5, verse 6. You might have heard people say, well, a a little leaven leavens the whole lump. Well, that's in 1 Corinthians 5, verse 6. We'll explain what that means and much more from 1 Corinthians, but we welcome you to today's edition of Exploring the Word. Alex McFarland here along with Bert Harper, and you are listening to the American Family Radio Network. And Bert, I just love each and every chapter, even though chapter 5 does have some, some kind of stern admonitions, but... This is God's Word, and it is profitable for us to read, isn't it? It is. Now, before we get to it, I I just want to tell you this sad state of affairs that we find in chapter 5 that Alex says that we are going to get to ends good, and you have to read 2 Corinthians to find it out. Uh, If it were not for Paul's second letter, 2 Corinthians, to the Corinthian church, we would wonder, well, how did this turn away and turn out. And we're going to find that out. Hopefully, we'll get to it today. But Alex, uh, chapter 5, verse 1, uh, listen to how he starts this. You can see mm-hmm. his disappointment, his uh, agitation when he says, it is actually reported. You, you hear his, those words? Uh, it is it's actually, like, re- yeah. You you don't mean to tell me. I mean, it's, it's almost <laughs> like, certainly I heard this wrong, but tell That's me it. here. But you're right, Paul says, it is reported commonly that there is fornication among you, and such fornication as is not so much even named among the Gentiles, that one should have his father's wife. Now, let me just say, Bert, and then I want to throw it to you, one of the reasons that I definitely do believe the Bible is the true Word of God, that this is not a book that man would have written Part of the reason I believe this is, yes, the Scripture from God, because it is unvarnished, hard truth, isn't it? It is. And and the church at Corinth uh, had many problems. He starts it out with division, so many difficulties. And here we get into the area of immorality. And it is, let me just say, this is really up to date. Uh, chapter 5 uh, could be written, I hate to say it, to many, many churches that there is immorality reported among you. And and so, Alex, I agree with you that, you know, Paul doesn't cut corners. God lets it be known. And so the darkness will be driven out only by the light. Darkness Mm -hmm. will dominate unless light comes in. And what Paul is doing here, he is writing this and, and bringing it up because it is necessary. I already shared with you, you need to read chapter 2, uh, of Second of Corinthians to get the full story. But listen to this, and, and you don't have to turn there if you're keeping up in your Bibles, but it'd be good for you to write it down. Listen to Second Corinthians chapter 2, how he felt about writing this particular area of this book. 
for out of much affliction and anguish of heart, I wrote to you with many tears, not that you should be grieved, but that you might know the love which I have so abundantly for you. This chapter 5 comes out of a heart of love, not of a heart of anger and bitterness. And, and so we read chapter 2 in Second Corinthians, find that. But then verse 2, talking about this thing that is unnamed, uh, is not even among pagans is the word here, that a man would yeah, live for his real. fathers. We're talking about incest of the deepest kind. Let me read verse 2, and then you can, if you would, let me make one comment, and I'll throw it back to you. And you are puffed up. Let me say that you're proud. You're proud that you're accepting him and saying that's okay. And have not rather mourned that he who has done this deed might be taken away from among you, put away from among you. Now, again, contrast puffed up and mourned. They're proud that their their genuineness and their love and their uh, compassion has overridden truth. We're, they're puff, puffed up about it. And Paul says you should have mourned. And this word mourned is the deepest kind of mourning over someone that has died. A deep, deep hurt, Alex. It's not just... It's not surface mourning. It is deep mourning that he, Paul says this is the kind of reaction you should have had rather than being proud and puffed up. Well, let me just say things, and I want to stick to 1 Corinthians 5, but right now uh, there's a news story. Uh, you might have seen it, how um, the archbishop there in California um, said Speaker Nancy Pelosi couldn't uh, have communion as long as she was, you know, pro-abortion. And of course, you know, some people are saying, you know, good for him to be courageous. And, and I agree. Salva, Salvatore Cordelione is the archbishop, and um, he says, look, um, Scripture, uh, church law, and even natural law is pro-life, and you can't call yourself a good Catholic, and you can't take communion and be a part of the church if you're going to be pro-abortion. Well, one of the people that um, has just really criticized him, and I listen, he's absolutely in the right to exercise his role as a as a church leader. But um, Whoopi Goldberg, Hollywood pundit, said, "You know, you have no right." He says to speak about sexual ethics like this. That's not your job. Well, it absolutely is. Because, listen, let me say this in the original language. The word there that's translated fornication or sexual immorality is the word pornea. Now, we get the word pornography from that. And, again, these are hard things, hard truths. And, it, you know, how pleasant it would be if we could just talk about the love of Jesus. But, Bert, the Word of God, the revelation of our Creator and our Redeemer, if we repent and believe... The Bible is absolutely clear about morals, marriage, gender, and sexual ethics. And I'll say this, and I want your response, but God is so clear and so um, unflexing on this because God wants us to be saved. And we've been called to repent and be born again. Then we're called to moral purity because God cares about the state of our soul. And Bert, uh, I think, you know, I appreciate that archbishop because once again, I think pastors, leaders, the church, 
lovingly but decisively, we have to say to a, a lost world, hey, uh, God says what he says, God means what he says, and all the opinion of man will not change what the revelation of God says. Yes, and Nancy's coming back, and I don't want to get off on a string. She's coming back. What about those that believe in capital punishment? Talking about the Catholic Church. And then the Archbishop, I think, there in D.C. area uh, said when she's in D.C., she can take that, uh, you know, she can take that, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, with, with them, a church there. But I applaud the Archbishop there in San Francisco area as well, Alex, and it is time for churches to take a stand and speak the mm-hmm. truth in love. You don't take love out of the mixture when you speak truth. And you don't love, you don't love so much that you skip over truth. And that's what these people were claiming to do. They say, mm-hmm. oh, we love him so much. We care for him so much that we're going to excuse this immoral act that he is doing that is not even done and talked about in the pagan world. And so, Alex, again, this issue of balance, of coming across, of God's leadership through the power of the Holy Spirit, the Word of God is real in our lives. And Paul writes on and says, For I indeed, as absent in body, but present in spirit, have already judged as though I were present concerning him who has done this deed. He said, I don't have to be there. I've heard it from the house of Chloe. They've told me and it is widespread. It's not something that's that's just known by one or two. This is the talk of the town is one of the, I was doing the uh, looking up comments on it, and one of them says this was the talk of the town, that everybody was talking about this, and it was well known, and they're going to sit back and do that. So in verse 4, he says, In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you're gathered together along with my spirit, with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, now, here it comes. Deliver such one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. Now, the flesh doesn't mean his his body. It means that fleshly carnal nature that Paul's already mm-hmm. talked about, that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Now, Alex, delivered into Satan. He is letting Satan. Here, here's my thoughts on this. He and, and I think it's exactly right, and you correct me if you think it's different than this. He, he is letting Satan guide him in this area of his life. It says, deliver him and let where this leads to. Let Satan do his work on him so that he might see where it leads and turn around, repent, and come back. If you coddle him and you just told him and say, well, you're all right, I'm all right, we're all all right, he is... He, he is not only, and it gets to verse 6, where the little leaven leavens the whole lump, it says it's not yes. only just going to affect him, it's going to affect the whole church. You need to act now. That's I believe there he's saying do it, Paul is saying do it now. Exactly. And and let me say this, uh, you don't hear it preached on much, but the, the Bible talks about there is a sin unto death. Now, uh, you know, it talks about the destruction of the flesh, that the Spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, when we get over to uh, 1 Corinthians 11.30, it says that of, of unrepentant sin among believers, by the way, um, many are sick and some have fallen asleep. Now, 1 Peter 1.16 talks about committing a sin unto death. Uh, and 
we're talking about born-again believers here, but Bert, is it fair to say that based on this um, 1 Corinthians 5, 5, 1 Corinthians 11, 30, 1 Peter 1, 16, that, am I reading this right, is it possible for a believer to be engaged in unrepentant sin and maybe God actually like shortens their life rather than let them continue and do damage to themselves and to the body of Christ? Alex, I think it is clear. Honestly, I believe that is clear. I want to give you something that's in the Old Testament that's not the same but has some of the same effect. You remember Moses? His mm-hmm. eye was not dim. His his body was was not weakened when God had him to die. And he 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 was not able to go into the promised land because of him striking the rock twice. In other words, uh, in anger, in anger, he he could have done what Joshua did. God wanted Moses to take him in, not just bring him out, but bring him in. But because of that sin, so sin, and sometimes it can be one sin, as it was with Moses, or it may be a continual sin, as I believe that the ones that you've referred to is talking about, and not repenting, be taken out early. I agree with you fully, brother. Yeah, well, and let me say again, God loves us, God is merciful, God is patient, but God cares about holiness among his professed believers. Now, there was, you know, sin that was not rebuked or called out, and when we get in verse 6 and following, we're going to hear what Paul has to say about that, and like these things, Paul certainly does have something to say, doesn't he? He does. Hey, we're talking about some deep things here today and tomorrow as well. And so I, if you can, get your Bibles, open them up, and see what Paul has to say through the power of the Holy Spirit concerning sin in the camp. This is Pause to Pray, a chance to stop down each day from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today we pray for Anita Bales, Director of the Defense Contract Audit Agency. Her office performs all contract audits for the United States Department of Defense. Leviticus 19.35 reminds us of the importance of accurate accounting. You shall do no wrong in judgment, in measures of length or weight or quantity. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask you to guide Anita Bales in her audit work at the U.S. Department of Defense. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team. This is an important election year in your state and all across the country, and we are joining together to pray the vote. Details at pausetopray.org. If there really is no luck or chance, if God calls all the shots and sets all the directions for our lives, where does our free will fit in? Dr. Tony Evans has an illustration that most every driver can identify with. He'll tell us about it today as we spend two minutes with Tony. Downtown Dallas is 11 miles from this church, and there is a direct route, 35. You get on 35, you're going downtown Dallas, and that will be the fastest way to get there. However, it's not the only way to get there. Anybody have ways? You got Waze app on your phone? That, it's, that's trying to tell you, I know stuff you don't know. I can tell you what's blocked, where it's blocked, 
how you can take another way, the long route around, and guess where ways is taking you? Still where you're trying to go. God's got ways. God knows his destination. But don't think you doing your thing is going to block him from getting to where he's trying to go. He got ways. He can do all that because God is sovereign. Everything that happens, he oversees. Under his sovereignty is his providence. Him working behind the scenes to guide things toward his sovereignty, which includes allowing us freedom of choice. But it won't control his sovereign result. It will control how we are doing in the midst of him accomplishing that goal. Learn how to spot and avoid the little g-gods that Satan tries to pass off as the real thing. Check out Tony's CD series, American Idols, available online at TonyEvans.org. Then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Just give me Jesus. Welcome back to Explore the Word. Bert and Alex with you today, and we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. 6, 7, and 8 has to do with the body of Christ and how one affects the other. Uh, have you ever heard about the weakest link? And, and you know, and in a, like in a herd of antelope in, in Africa, and the lions, the pride of lions is trying to find a meal, they will scout out and find the weakest one, youngest or the one that's hurt or the one that's ill, and that is the one they will come to and try to isolate and take down. Alex, when I read this 6, 7, 8 about a little leaven, leaven's a whole lump, and this man that's talking that has done this, it weakens the whole body, doesn't it? it well, it does. It, it really does. And let me just say this, uh, like yeast permeates throughout a lump of dough, that means like sin in a person, sin in a family, sin in a body of Christ. Sin has just this way of weaving itself in and and damaging and harming things. So it says in verse 7, purge out or cleanse out. The word there literally means cleanse out, therefore, the old leaven, that you may be a new lump, and you're unleavened, for even Christ our Passover is sacrificed. Hey, Bert, I can be a new lump. I'm reading <laughs> the King James here, 1 Corinthians 5, 7. I can get purged, cleansed. I turn to Christ. And th this lump that I am can be made brand new. Hey, man, Alex, that, that's made <laughs> my day, brother. I am telling that is true. We're all a lump of clay. Uh, we're that. <laughs> yeah. We're on the potter's wheel, and God's trying to form us into something. But every once in a while, He sees something that shouldn't be there, and what does He do? He crushes the the clay and starts all over again. Alex, that is great, brother. <laughs> Thank you for giving us that. Amen. Amen. Well, we go on there, and again, uh, verse 7, for even Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. Um, one of the ways, folks, that you can 
keep a tender heart toward Jesus, a grateful heart, and be sensitive and, and guard yourself against sin is remember what it took to get us saved, that the Son of God, yes, was our Passover lamb sacrificed for us. And verse 8 says, Therefore let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Bert, this is just beautiful language here. Um, let me just say, we are under grace. We're not legalists, but yet we should never take grace for granted and say, well, okay, I'm in Christ, I'm saved, I can do whatever I want. No, with a, with a pure heart, or keep the feast. How do we do that? Not rituals over and over and over, but walking daily in, in the, the life. I mean, Bert, um, I don't know any other way to say it, but let's walk consistently with our true identity, and we are new in Christ. If we've put on the new man, uh, old things are passed away, 2 Corinthians 5.17, I think we need to walk in step with our true identity as lost sinners made brand new. Alex, well said. Identity is a big issue in 2022. Uh, I've, I've preached many sermons this year already, and I would say on half of them, I come up with, do you know who your identity, identify with Christ. First, you identify with the creator. He has made us male and female. uh, We identify with Christ with the gifts that he has given us in creation. But then once you've been redeemed, you have a new identity. And that identity is a follower of Christ. And this is it, not with malice and not with wickedness. Alex, don't let this build up in your heart. Sin unchecked will do what yeast does or leaven does, and it will spread, it will rise, it will puff up, and it will infiltrate all the different areas of the loaf of bread. But with unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Now, if you combine those and just set them and compare them, not with malice, but with sincerity, you're not, listen, your, your care, your love, and then compare wickedness with truth, not with wickedness, not going on, but the truth of the word of God, of what God says in everything. In the book of Leviticus, the, when they were going into the law, into the land, what this man was doing was said, it is wrong. Now, again, the moral issues of that day and how to live your lives personally in a moral way are still good for those for a guiding for us today. And as as Paul would say, these things ought not to be in the church at Corinth. And he shared with them, live in this sincerity and truth. Alex, uh, we need that today, sincerity and truth, don't we? We do. We absolutely do. Now, let me read this, and I want to be very clear about what verse 9 and 10 are saying. Uh, We're in 1 Corinthians 5, and by the way, folks, this is Exploring the Word with Bert and Alex on the American Family Radio Network, and in a few minutes, we're going to get to phone calls. We'd love to have a a call from you today and a Bible question. The number is 888-589-8840. 888 We'll get to Bible questions here in just a minute. But Bert, uh, verse 9 says, I wrote unto you in an epistle not to company with fornicators. Now, uh, 
the wording there, not to keep company, somebody might say, well, wait, wait a minute. I'm supposed to be out there and be a witness. That, that is true. I got my King James with me, Bert, and so I want to hear what uh, yours says. The word company there, folks, this is going to, the light bulb is going to come on in a blink. Listen to what that word is in the original language. It's the word synonym. Now, you know what a synonym is. It's a word that means exactly the same thing. Like you, you might say, you know, um, I, I don't know, home, house, building, synonyms, words that different word to mean the same thing. It doesn't mean that we can't be out there and know unsaved sinners. In verse 10, he talks about fornicators, covetousness, idolaters. Of course, we are supposed to know unsaved people. We're supposed to witness. But he's saying, don't conform to them. We're not to synonym uh, like sinners. Now, we humbly know that we're, we're just saved sinners too. We're actually saints. But Bert, in verse 9, when Paul says, don't keep company with fornicators, He's not saying that we don't go out there and try to win them to Jesus. We are, but we're not to be like a synonym. We're not to conform to them, are we? We are not. In verse 10, he even explains that even more. But this, one of the, uh, you know, one of the paraphrases that I looked at verse 9, do not run with. You, you know, run mm. with. It's not not being around them. Run with them to the same excesses that they do. Have you ever heard that statement? If you run with the dogs, you're going to get fleas. And and that <laughs> that yeah. is what it says. So verse 10 says, Yet I certainly did not mean with the sexually immoral people of this world or with the covetous or extortioners or idolaters, since then you would need to go out of the world. Uh, that's exactly what he is saying here, Alex, what you said. But now, verse 11, I've written to you not to keep company. There it is again with anyone named a brother who is a fornicator, covetous, an idolater, a reviler, a drunkard, or an extortioner, not even to eat with such a person. These people that have come into the church and they can be saved, and we don't know, only God knows their heart. That's the whole idea. It will be revealed in time. Most of the time we will know. And and so here it is. For now I've written to you not to keep company with those within your fellowship that are going out of the way. Now, sometimes we don't know who it is, and we don't know they're doing it. Sometimes it's so undercover that nobody knew it. That's the way it was Judas's carrot. He was stealing money out of the money collection that people were giving to Jesus and the apostles. Judas's carrot was pocketing that money. Who knew that? Only Jesus knew that. But he had a purpose for letting him go. He knew who it was, what he was doing. Those other guys didn't even know that was going on. So, Alex, it's possible for you and me to be in the fellowship with a group of guys, and we're just eating uh, the meals we share together. We're having fellowship, Bible study together. But one of them is undercover. They're living a double life, and we do not know it. This is not what it's talking about here. It's talking about this man who was knowingly, uh, not just by the church, but by the world that he was involved in living with his either his stepmother or his mother-in-law, but it was ancestral relationship that ought not to be. And, and Paul is just saying, brothers, don't go there. You got to do something. You got to stand for truth. 
but you stand in sincerity and in truth, don't you, Alex? Well, you really do. You really do. And I want to I want to pull a word out here, verse 11. Let me read 11 through 13. Paul writes, But now I've written unto you not to keep company. If any man that is called a brother be a fornicator or covetous or an idolater, King James says, or a railer, R-A-I-L-E-R. Now I'm going to talk about that in a minute. Or a drunkard or an extortioner with such a one know not to eat. Uh, and it, it not to associate with so that you are conformed. For what have I to do to judge them that are without? Do not you judge them that are within, but them that are without God judgeth. Therefore put away from among yourselves that wicked person. So, I mean, clearly there is uh, some guidelines for the believer uh, because, you know, um, the Bible says bad manners corrupts good company. I mean, Bert, Dr. Falwell, when I was at Liberty, used to always say this. He said, show me who your friends are, and I know who you'll be in the days ahead. Um, and again, we, we're to get out there and minister and reach people, but we're not to be like that. But in verse 11, uh, the King James uses this word, railer, really means a verbal abuser. The wording there, and, and this is an old, old-timey old translation, I suppose, but... Um, one of the things that we're not to be is somebody that curses or sh- or shouts at people, yells at people. Um, th- and, of course, the book of James has a lot to say about the language we use and the way we talk to people. But, Bert, isn't that something to um, write in that grocery list of sexual immorality, drunkenness, idolatry, is also people that are verbally abusive. In the eyes of God, that too is a sin, isn't it? It is. And so he was setting the standard. It wasn't just this particular sin, but because of this particular sin, all of this was happening. But there's other sins. You don't want it to be a part of the fellowship. It should not be a part of believers. It should not be in the home of Christians. It should not. And I'm going to use it, another cliche, we need to do what Barney Fife says, nip it in the bud. When you see (laughs) it happening, you stop it immediately. The greatest thing is Matthew 18, what should have happened, and I hope they did that. They went to the man individually, and they said, don't, you need to stop this relationship, get out of it. This seems like this woman was probably not a part of the church because the issue is with the man. And so get out of this relationship. He did not. So it got, and they said, well, we'll, we tried, but he didn't do it, so we'll accept him. So it went on. But the house of Chloe, when they came to Paul, they told about him. It's heard about. And it says, and Paul says, not only just this sin, but there's other sins. But I did want to get to chapter 2. I I know we're not studying 2 Corinthians, but when you look at 2 Corinthians chapter 2, I I just love it. Notice what it says. Chapter 2, it says, Verse 3, I wrote this very thing to you, lest when I come I should have sorrow over those of whom I ought to have joy, having confidence in you all, that my joy is the joy for you all. And he wrote that letter, like I said in verse 4, I already shared it with you, with many tears, with affliction and anguish, but that you might know of my love is abundantly for you. But if anyone has caused grief, verse 5, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, He has not grieved me, but all of you some extent, not to be too severe. This punishment, which was afflicted by the majority, is sufficient for this man. 
so that, on the contrary, you ought to rather to forgive and comfort him, lest perhaps such a one be swallowed up with too much sorrow. Therefore, I urge you to reaffirm your love for him. What had happened, Alex? This worked in this man's life. This man, after they, quote, delivered him to Satan, put him out, said, we're not having fellowship with you. You're not going to partake of the Lord's Supper with you. You're not part of the love feast with us. You, you've got to, you're isolated until you get right. But when you get right and you break off this illicit wrong relationship, you come back. And this is what Paul said. He said, forgive him, comfort him, lest he be swallowed up with too much sorrow. Alex, this story ends good. Isn't that exciting? Well, it is. It really is. And part of the reason that it ends well is because they took Paul's words to heart and they did really police themselves. Verses 12 and 13 of 1 Corinthians 5 talks about, it's essentially saying, look, uh, we better guard ourselves within the church. We can't, we can't even judge all those that are outside of the church. It's all I can do to police my own heart and soul of those within the church, myself included. And Bert, I know we've got a break coming up, but see, part of this is it, when it says judging, it, it's really the, the, the word for determination. A lot of times when we're around sin, we, we begin to think less of sin. People said, you know, when, when does a, a person decide that homosexuality is okay? When it's their child or a loved one. And, of course, we love our loved ones. But look, regarding sin, righteousness, wrong behavior, right behavior, we've got to always let God's Word be our standard. God's Word stands. It is settled in heaven. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy Word is truth. That's God's Word. 888-589-8840. Give us a call with your Bible question today. When you hear this... This is American Family News. You know what follows is the truth. Your news from a Christian perspective. Hundreds of teachers are going to have to walk into that school building and they are forced to swallow political ideology that in many cases violates their very faith and conscience. If you miss it at the top of the hour, American Family News podcasts are available at AFN.net and sign up for our daily news brief at AFN.net. Friendships is looking for full-time volunteer men and women who are serious about serving God, investing time in rewarding work, and helping people in need around the world. There is no charge to serve. Room and board are provided. A willing heart and a desire to work as part of a team are the primary skills required. Check out the opportunities at friendships.org or email portmercy at friendships.org. That's portmercy at friendships.org. The ministry of Preborn is the ultimate life support, helping moms in crisis choose life. I definitely would have gone down the wrong road and probably would not have given my son life if they had not been there to support me. From giving me the ultrasound to throwing a baby shower, and they went out and they got churches to cover my bills. They helped me through so much. It was just incredible. Preborn centers are the ultimate life support for moms in crisis across America, providing hope, love, and free ultrasounds. He's 10 and he's my little angel. Preborn clinics are the largest providers of free ultrasounds in the United States. 
Would you join with Preborn in rescuing babies? One ultrasound is just $28, or five ultrasounds are $140. All gifts are tax deductible. To donate, dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250 baby. Or go to preborn.com. Always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Many who oppose Christianity target their hostility on our foundation, the Bible. They say it's unreliable because Genesis 1 and Genesis 2 are contradictory accounts of the creation story. In actuality, the two chapters are complementary and not contradictory. When Jesus was asked about marriage, he quoted from both chapters 1 and 2 in saying that he made them both to be male and female in the beginning. And for this cause shall a man leave his mother and father and cleave unto his wife. Genesis 1 is an overview of the creation story. Genesis 2 is an up-close examination of day 6. If Jesus relies on them both, so can we. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things that God has prepared for those who love Him. 1 Corinthians 2.9, American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. Alex and Bert here. It's time for your calls and Bible questions. By the way, listen to the program again on AFR.net. All the great programming of the American Family Radio Network shows are archived. You can forward the shows on. And uh, Bert, you and I, we're going to be recording this week, too, for some upcoming uh, question shows. And we've just... We're pretty excited about all this content, aren't we? We are. And let me just give a, you know, Memorial Day, we will be out of the office and you'll hear pre-record. But Alex and I, I just want to tell you, I think Memorial Day, uh, what we have planned, we haven't done it yet. It's just in the plans, but we're so excited about it. And if you can't hear it, uh, it's worth going back on the podcast. I think you'll enjoy what we're going to do. Memorial Day for sure. So anyway, that's just a, a little bit what I think they call it a teaser ahead of time. So let's okay. go. To, are you ready to go to phone calls? Let's do it, Bert. Okay. We're going to Texas and talk to Ken. Ken, welcome to Exploring the Word. Hey, how's it going, guys? Good and well, man. Good. And I just wanted to kind of get a follow-up on you guys on what y'all were talking about just before the break there uh, about the uh, excommunication, if you will, of um, – you know, fellow believers and, and kind of drawing that line in the sand, you know, in that particular case, if I'm understanding you guys correctly, this brother was part of the church. He got caught up in an illicit relationship uh, that was not allowed, but somehow the church allowed it. And then when the apostle heard about it, he said, hey, look, we need to, to shut this thing off. Oftentimes I hear people say that we're not supposed to judge that, you know, they and again, in my opinion, they use that as an excuse to kind of turn a blind eye to sin. And so I, I've seen this in numerous different people's lives and relationships, uh, even in the church where a guy will leave his wife for someone else. And then within a few months, 
he's in a new relationship and at that church and they're, you know, going along with it like it's no big deal. And even saying words like, and God has blessed this relationship and things like that. And I'm just going, man, where does that grace start for the cross of Jesus Christ for people that are going to do whatever they want to do versus, you know what I'm saying? I do, Ken. It is tough, and we don't. And let me just share with you: it's tougher with the larger the church. If it's, let me share in that day. And and again, this helps you to understand: these were house churches. The fellowships was much smaller in most of the time, and you you may have had like in the Book of Romans, uh, it's mentioned that the different fellowships that met in different homes in that whole fellowship. So it was it was one of those of breaking that fellowship. You no, you can't come to our home. Uh you're outside of this. Uh you're leaving that way. We're living in a day when you've got four hundred people coming to church and that's just an estimation. They slip in the back door and you don't even know they're there. Uh the Lord's Supper could go on and you don't even know the deacon that's serving it. And it is a difficult thing in our day to do that. But here's the important thing. Go to that brother, hopefully he's a brother, or that sister, and let them know that this is not right. Let them have an opportunity to get it and say, well, listen, I can't keep you maybe from coming into the building, but you'll not be in, you'll not have any leadership role. You will not be asked, you can't sing in the choir uh, you can put limits on that in breaking that fellowship, Alex. What? How, how can you help Ken, brother? Well, I think we have to have standards. And, you know, Matthew 18 talks about going to a brother and talking to a brother. And then uh, chapter 6, which we'll get into tomorrow, talks about that we, yes, we are to exercise judgment. And this idea that we can't ever have standards and it's unloving, to encourage each other to righteousness. That's just not biblical. And sometimes for the work of the Spirit and the purity of the church and, frankly, the witness of the gospel, I think we we do need to call out uh, fellow believers that are in unrepentant sin. I agree. And, again, if, if they're in—let me—I'm trying to make sure I say this right, Alex, and I would want you to comment when we get through. We don't want to take the whole time on this, but— the higher the position, the greater the need for discipline. Would you agree? I would agree. I would agree. And and uh, we're going to go back to the calls, 888-589-8840. Spurgeon said this, if sin is not preached from the pulpit, it'll be practiced in the pew. And uh, I, we, we don't need to be you know cruel or take a billy club over people's head, but I think we need to preach Sin is wrong, and we are called to righteousness. Amen. And you can do it in love. You really can. And I, I've heard it. I know it. I've tried to do it. And let me encourage everyone that way. Let's go to Texas. Mary, welcome. Thank you for taking my call. And I'm asking you to because you've been around for a long time and no church in the operation of it. Bylaws are put in to the church to, I guess, organize and keep it running smoothly. My question is, when I read the article about the church in Virginia, I guess they have a lawsuit filed by 800-something parishioners and that they voted last year to 
put three elders in place, and for the first time in church history, they weren't nominated by the congregation. And then the leadership changed the rules to get elders. Now, when you vote in bylaws, isn't that part of the whole congregation to change those rules? It, if if it was congregationally passed, the way it should be is congregationally changed. Alex, go ahead. Yeah, I, I agree. And forgive my uh, ignorance, I don't really know all about the, the one in Virginia. But um, if, you know, Bert is right, you know, if it was something that was voted on by the members, um, I, I really don't think that it's right that, you know, one person could change the bylaws. I mean, if it's democratically selected, then it ought to, uh, if that's the protocol, it ought to be changed democratically, if indeed a change is in order. Let me go back to something that maybe I should have covered in Chapter 5. Let me say this, and I'll say it quickly. This man, as I know, it was known publicly. Therefore, it needed to be handled that way in the congregation if it is silent and calm and maybe one or two people only know about this and those one or two people go there and they they get him to change it does not need to have to be known by everybody in the church body alex i already heard the the discipline should should be guarded by the known the the those who know of the of the sin, of the fault, and and it's hard to judge. That's why the Holy Spirit is so important, and that's what Paul was writing here. So anyway, I wanted to throw that in. I want to go uh, next to Mary. Got two Marys in a row, Mary in Mississippi. Mary, welcome. Hi, first time caller. Well, thank you for calling today. <laughs> well, to give you a little background, my mom passed away uh, three years ago. I got a group text. From, I'm the eldest of four. Got a group text from all my brothers and sisters and their husbands' wives stating I was no longer wanted or needed in that family because I am a child of God and live for God solely. Mm. Now, have you ever mm. heard something like that? I have, Mary. You're not by yourself. Uh, I've known some people that were in families and let me just share this with you. Be, I, I don't know where you stand and I don't know how you be. Be godly and tender. Uh, the, the, some of the things, and I'm not saying you're not, but that's what you desire to be. Remember that scripture? We read it here in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 6. It says, with sincerity and truth. You want truth. Yes, you do. But truth without the sincerity will be harsh and harmful. And so let me just encourage you to, to be sincere and tender. And and uh, we're going to be praying for you. It'd get better. Alex, you got anything to say real quick about that? Bert, I think you, you've said it. I mean, I know this hurts. I know this hurts. But uh, be patient and seek the strength of the Holy Spirit Amen. to... Um, not respond harshly to them, even though it sounds like they've been pretty harsh to you. That's right. And so, Father, I pray for Mary right now that you would help her. Yes. Thank you for her calling. 
I pray, God, that you would change the hearts of some of those family members. Many times it's, it's some leading the others, and the others just go along. And, Father, if there's someone in that family that's just gone along, I pray that you would draw them to the point to, to talk with Mary and say, Mary, this is what is wrong. This is what. And let Mary hear that and say, okay, Lord, examine me to make sure I'm right. I want to do your will and I want to be pleasing to you, whether I'm pleasing to my family. But, Father, if I can do both, I want to do both, but I still go with you first. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Mary. Mm-hmm. We hope that helps our prayers. Let's go to Louisiana and talk to Miller. Miller, welcome. Well, hello there. I listen to you all all the time, and uh, I, I was just really surprised at something I heard about 15 minutes ago. And you were talking about uh, people committing some kind of a sin, and and they would you know be go to hell for it. And uh, it seemed to me like you were referring also to to true believers, Christians. Okay, what you heard was not that they'd go to hell, but they'd be delivered to Satan and let God take care. Only God knows if they go to heaven and hell, even if they don't correct their ways. God only knows that, doesn't he, Alex? Absolutely. Uh, I believe you're talking about verse 5. So if if a born-again believer, uh, born-again, positionally, they're in Christ, but they're in unrepentant sin. And see, a lot of times this doesn't do just harm to themselves, but to their family, their marriage, and even to the local church. And it says, to deliver such a one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh. Um, And this is a big subject that we need adequate time to unpack. Apparently, Bert, in the spiritual realm, there are things that we do that gives Satan a foothold or gives almost the devil permission to get in. Now, let me say, this is why you, as a born-again believer, you need to cleave to Jesus uh, because let's say you you allow your guard down and more and more sin, carnality. Well, Satan, he's standing in the wings wanting to hurt you and destroy you. So it says that the Spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. There is a sin unto death. It doesn't mean the person goes to hell. That's not what we said. But I think it's possible, and I've known some examples of, yes, a born-again Christian, but God allowed them to be taken out prematurely rather than, in a carnal state, let them do damage to themselves and others. Okay. Miller, we hope that helps so much. We want to go to Texas and talk to Jane. Jane, welcome. Thank you for taking my call. Um, What do you do when you have sought to train your children up in the way of the Lord, and, and they all show to have a strong walk, but you've got one who at one time had a what appeared to be a strong walk, graduated, left home, and has just completely walked away, um, was pro-life and now pro-choice, was what appeared to be a strong believer and is now just wants nothing to do with Christianity, and and that person is having such a, a a subtle negative impact on the younger siblings who absolutely adore Big Sister. Okay, are are the 
Are the younger siblings still at home or are they away? They are still at home. They're homeschooled. They're 11 and 13. Okay. Let me just say this. Sometimes you have to limit the amount of time that they have with them. And you pray hard for that that one sibling. And I, I mean that. I'm not using prayer as a, as a scapegoat. But, yes, you pray and you keep it up. Try to keep the door of communication open and just asking God. And what you pray is, God, bring someone into this, my child's life that will influence them for God. Alex, don't have a lot of time. Would you speak to, to Jane about something of hope? Well, Sister, I'm sorry for you. Just be patient because I honestly think the seeds sown in childhood, they they very often do bear fruit and just you just pray that that child will be kept alive spiritually till they could God could do a work uh, be alive physically till God could change them spiritually but bird I think we need to talk to our kids at a young age about the temptation in late teens and early adulthood of falling away and we need to tell kids look Satan is going to be after you sometimes there's liberal teachers and professors and peers and uh, don't fall away. We need to talk about it. Amen. Uh, Melissa, we hadn't got a lot of time. Did you want to recommend the book, When to Walk Away? Um, well, I can recommend it. And also, have you all read it? And what are your thoughts? I have, and I found it very helpful. Alex, have you heard Gary Thomas's yeah. book, When to Walk Away? I know. We, we've talked about it. It's been some time ago, but that is a good book, isn't it? It is. And moms and dads... Um, you know, parenting is definitely a marathon, isn't it, Bert? It is. And I want to tell you, Dr. Dobson said, there's nothing like parenting that keeps you on your knees. I agree with that. And I am I pray for our three sons, our five grandchildren, our three daughter-in-laws. It is continual every day and many times all day long. Hey, we're praying with you. We really are. We're, we're on your team desiring to know Jesus yeah. Christ and want our children, our grandchildren to follow in Christ. You're, you're at the right place for a team meeting to say, let's do it for Christ. Alex, I, I'm ready for tomorrow, brother. Yes, folks, go ahead and read on 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Join us tomorrow with more of Exploring the Word. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.